everyone, this is Kidlet TV's Katja Shipshook welcoming you to the Kidlet TV podcast. On this podcast series, you'll hear fun and enlightening conversations with stars in the Kidlet world. Storymakers Rocco Steno, contributing editor at School Library Journal, contributor to the Huffington Post, and director of Empire State Center for the Book, is your host. In today's episode of Kidlet Podcast, learn all about Stephen Mooser and Lynn Oliver, two writers who were tasked with creating educational books for children. When they couldn't find a conference specific to this field, they created one of their own. Thus, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators was born. So be sure to jump into this Kidlet adventure, only found on Kidlet TV. Hi, I'm Rocco Steno, and welcome to Storymakers. Today we have authors and the co-founders of SCBWI, Lynn Oliver and Steve Mooser. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Happy to be here. Yeah, so SCBWI, what does it stand for? Well, we wanted to come up with the most complicated name we could ever think of, and mm -hmm. I think we managed to do this. Uh, it stands for Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. When we founded it, it was the SCBW. It was just for writers. And then about 15 years into it, uh, at the request of Tommy DePaola, we decided to incorporate illustrators into the fold since they're so much a part of children's books. So the original awkward name became even more awkward. And here we are some 40 years later with a name that no one could pronounce. Now, now Steve, how did the idea of this organization come to be? Lynn and I were writing uh, a reading program for a Ginning company, it was going to be a huge national reading program in the schools. Uh, Lynn came out of uh, English and uh, eventually went into television, and I came out of film and uh, journalism. We ended up getting this job. Uh, maybe a couple months into the job, we ended up both together writing about 250 books in the series. Um, 250 50 books? little books. They were readers, one right. for K to four. And a couple months, we looked at each other and said, you know, we're going to uh, be uh, training the next generation of readers in this country. Maybe we should learn something about children's books. <laughs> Let's join the Society of Children's Book Writers. And uh, we looked in the writer's market, and there was uh, the cat writers, the dog writers, aviation writers, but there was nothing for children. So um, we looked at each other and thought... Uh, why just join something when we can be the president and the executive director? When we first decided to form it, we, we knew that we wanted to throw a conference because we wanted to go to a conference. So we researched the field. We wrote uh, 10 letters to 10 of the best and most famous children's book authors we could think of. Just cold letters. What would you guess in terms of how many letters we got back? Well, I, what's the average, like three? Yeah, the average would be two or three. We got 10, oh, 10 out of 10, oh. which already started to tell us something about this field, about the quality of person who chooses this as a profession. And eight out of the 10 said yes. The only two who declined, one was E.B. White, who was sick that year and mm -hmm. actually passed away later in the year. And the other was Dr. Seuss, who couldn't come, but he wrote us a rejection letter in rhyme. <laughs> and all the others said they could come, and that was, that, those are the early founders of our organization. So, uh, 44 years ago, your first membership was about how many people? Well, there was my mom, <laughs> and my father, Steve's father, very active. My mom was the one that typed up the membership uh, list, you know, and, and we licked the envelopes and mailed it off to 
I think our first, at the end of our first year, I think we had 50 members. Our first conference had 35 people. Mm -hmm. About a third of them were related to, <laughs> to us. But it was, I mean, it was a very humble, kind of mom and pop beginning. But very soon thereafter, it turned into a professional organization. In, in 2016, your membership? It's about 20, close to 25,000. 25,000. Yes, we're, and we have regions in, in multiple regions in every state in the United States and around the world. Lynn and I, uh, about five years ago, visited our Mongolia chapter, 30 hours in a, in a train across the Gobi Desert. And when we pulled into the station, to me it was one of the great moments, uh, there was our regional advisor holding up a sign that said SCBWI. And uh, every writer in Mongolia was there to greet us. And I was introduced, I'll never top this. He said, this has been a special month here for us in Ulaanbaatar. First the Dalai Lama and now Stephen Musser. <laughs> <laughs> so what do the chapters do? First of all, we have two, three national or international conferences a year. We have one in New York, one in Los Angeles, and then the Bologna uh, Children's Book Fair. And then every region has its own conferences and its own events. So the events could go anything from a, a free meetup to conferences where editors and agents come in from New York and, uh, and discover new talent. So we do library outreach, community outreach, bookstore outreach. We do uh, civic programs. You know, after Hurricane Katrina, we put together comfort bags for all the children who were victims of the hurricane with free books by our members, uh, a flashlight and a mm -hmm. toothpaste, a toothbrush, so they could still have a, a, a bedtime story. Uh, one of the uh, outreach uh, programs that I'm familiar with is the uh, grant or scholarship to uh, enable an author or illustrator to visit a school. The, the Amber Brown. That grant is named after Paula Dansker, who was a great dear friend of ours and she was a member of our board. And her favorite thing to do after writing children's books was to go to schools and, and talk to children. And so when we wanted to honor her memory after she passed away, we created the Amber Brown Grant, which is primarily for schools who have never had an author or an illustrator come, come to their school. And then two schools are chosen, and they receive an author visit from an author of their choice and a pizza party and a set of books by that author for their whole school. And for many schools they've, who've never had an author come, these are life-changing events for kids. One, yeah, one of the things that, I, that never happened to me when I was growing up and, and never happens to most of these kids is that they see an author and they're inspired to like know that, wow, this is maybe something I can do. I can become a writer. They've already been writing in class, perhaps. And I believe, um, as Lynn alluded to, that, that probably a number of kids who were in the audience of this Amber Brown grant thing go on to end up writing books themselves. Yeah. Now, Steve, you're an author yourself. Yes. You have a number of books uh, published. And, and, and this is your uh, most recent endeavor, right. uh, Class Clown Academy? Right. This is, uh, I've written uh, probably, about, I have published about 60 books traditionally. Mm -hmm. And this book here is a special book of mine. It's my most recent one, and I, it's been self-published. But it, it's also tied in with an a, a interactive website, if you don't mind, classclownacademy.com. Yep. Uh, so it's a virtual school where you can play, you know, music on uh, whoopee cushions and you can look at movie, mm -hmm. funny movies and things. It's 
the most enjoyable writing that I've had of all the ones I did because it's something that I hadn't really had any prospect of developing anything, but as I said, they're short, like, sort of character studies. And mm -hmm. so, uh, um, and I hadn't been doing a lot of writing for a while, but I knew intellectually that writing is, uh, takes you to a different place in your mind, and I really miss that. And Lynn, you have done uh, several books yourself, and uh, the one that we have here today is uh, Little Poems for Tiny Ears. And you mentioned uh, Tommy Tapala uh, earlier. He was uh, a board member. Yes. And he illustrated this, uh, this book. So I guess my question is, uh, did the poems come first? Did the illustrations come first? How did the collaboration come to be? This is a book of poetry, which... Um which was inspired by the birth of my first granddaughter, whose name is Aeneas, named after a character from an Ursula Le Guin novel. Right. And uh, so I started writing poems really with no intention of publishing them, just for her. And uh, Tommy, who is a longtime friend, looked at them and he said, oh, he said, do you think I could maybe illustrate them? And of course my heart leapt, I, you know. <laughs> so the poems came first. Tommy's illustrations came almost simultaneously, and the book came out a year and a half ago. And they did a great job in designing the book because it has a very large flap in the back, but you can actually take the, uh, am I doing it Yeah, correctly? you're doing yeah, that's uh, it. And, and, and it's almost a self-wrapped book. It's gift-wrapped, yes. Yes. Can you um, read one of the poems for us? Oh, I would be happy to. This is called My Nose. Upward from your feet and toes, you'll find a thing they call your nose. It's in the middle of your face. This is, I think, the perfect place. For if it were inside your ear, you'd find it very hard to hear. And if it grew out from your knee, how strange and silly would that be? <laughs> oh, no, let's do my tongue. I think my tongue is great. Because this is intended for babies, really up through two years old. So one of the first things you teach a child is, where's your tongue? Where's your mm -hmm. nose? Where's... So this is called my tongue. My tongue is pink and wet, I think. In and out it goes. It's in my mouth a little south of where you'll find my nose. Our viewers uh, are probably familiar with your work with uh, Henry Winkler on, yes. uh, on the series. And uh, how many books are in that series? Oh, well, the, the name of the series again? The name of the series, well, there are two. The first one is Hank Zipser, World's Best Underachiever. Mm -hmm. And there are 18 novels. So those are intended for sort of third, fourth, fifth, middle grade. And then that, that was so popular that there was a, a demand for chapter books, for younger books. So we have a new series called Here's Hank, which is about Hank Zipser in the first and second grade. And we've written eight of those, and there are going to be 12. Hank has... Dyslexia. Uh, dyslexia, yeah. Yeah. right, yes. That came from, it actually came from Henry's story. We were having lunch, and he told me the story of his childhood, which just so touched me that here this person, who was one of the most successful actor, director, mm -hmm, producers right. of our time, uh, had a terrible childhood because he, he was a failure in school. And when his first son was nine or 10 years old, he was having trouble in school and they had him tested for learning differences. And when they were describing to, to, to Henry and his wife about what the son's learning challenges were, Henry said, I know that person, it's me. So he discovered at the age of 35 that he, that he had dyslexia and other kind of learning differences. So that was such a touching thing. And at the time, there was very little written about kids who had learning challenges. It's one in five kids in America who mm -hmm. has some kind of learning difference. And we thought, well, let's write this story, but let's write it as a comedy about a kid who's smart and attractive and funny and 
just happens to be bad in school. And uh, you have another uh, series. It's called The Fantastic Frame. Uh-huh. And um, it's based on a premise. It's kind of like The Magic Treehouse in that it will be a long series, hopefully, if it does well, that's intended for early readers, second, first, second, third graders, so they're chapter books. And the premise is it's about two kids who live next door to each other, and they discover a magical picture frame. Mm-hmm. And the frame has the capacity to suck them into the painting that's inside. So every, in every episode, they're sucked into a different painting. And the paintings are iconic paintings from art history. The first one is Rousseau's The Tiger. Mm -hmm. So it's in a jungle, and it's that, that magical-looking tiger fiercely looking at you. And you could probably imagine mm -hmm. what the adventure is. Right. And the second one is Sunday's on the Grangette, the, oh, the yes. Seurat painting. Right. That Sunday, Sunday in, in the, the park. park with George, the yes. uh, musical. Right. So yes. the kids, uh, when they go into the painting, they land on that island in the sand. With and lots they have, of people. With lots of people. <laughs> right. And at the end, you have to get out of the painting within an hour or you become part of the painting. So they start turning into dots because, you know, that was the oh, point of the right. painting. Oh, so they right. start coming oh. apart at the seams. Yeah. Well, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. It is. I know there are you know, many teachers and librarians and parents who want to encourage uh, students that like to write to become writers. Do you have any uh, words of wisdom for them? Yeah, I say that... Um, that writing, writing is like any profession that you might do, whether it's you know, shooting baskets or drawing or anything. The more you practice at it, the better you're going to get. So whether you're writing, I encourage actually parents to encourage their kids to keep a diary. It doesn't even matter so much what you're writing, but you're writing all the time. You're seeing how sentences come together. And the other thing that's really important, of course, is to read a lot. So you see how other writers write. And sometimes parents say, oh, my kid won't watch, uh, won't read, they want to watch TV or play on their, uh, you know, their iPads or whatever else. Um, now there's iPads, but before when there was television, I always uh, encouraged parents whose kids wouldn't read to uh, disable the sound and, uh, and get uh, closed captioning. So the kid could watch all the TV they wanted, but they were going to have to read it. Well, thank you both for coming and sharing the information about the organization you, and your work. Thank you. Yes. And thank for you all of your much, viewers, we just, we're so grateful for everybody's support for this wonderful field of children's books. And remember, until next time, give a kid a book in any format.